Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello everybody and welcome back. I'm Dr. Rob Zammett and this is a brand new episode of Australia's favourite podcast on dogs, The Doggy Pod. Yes, thanks very much for joining us again. I'm that bloke's producer, Stephen Peters, and welcome to this week's show. Very welcome because this week we're going to have a bit of fun talking about your dog's IQ. Yes, how smart is your dog compared to the national average? Well, yeah, I never thought of a dog and an IQ, but um, (laughs) apparently it's a bit of a thing. Anyway, good question. Frankly, I don't know how my dog would go on an IQ test, but Dr. Rob will uh, help you test your own dog at home if if that's worth doing. Also, we've all heard of most breeds of dogs, but are there in fact any dogs like animals in the wild that become extinct, any breeds that have become extinct or will soon become extinct? Yeah, you don't really hear of that much either. Of course, we'll answer uh, one of our listener questions. But first, as always, uh, we like to start the show with what's been happening in the clinic for you this week, Rob. Well, one of the sad things is, and it's I hope through just sheer ignorance, not sheer cruelty, we had a, a very big framed dog. Uh, it's a cross sort of a dog called a bull Arab, you know, almost mastiff type dog. And this pretty poor, solid oh, sort of dog. Big dog. He only weighed 19 kilos. I think his weight should have been around about 30-odd kilos. And uh, we couldn't save him, Stephen. And oh, he, it the was, owner brought him in? No, the owner didn't bring him in. Uh, he was brought in by a welfare association because uh, someone reported that this dog, living in the backyard in, in the person's home, looked to be very lethargic and troubled and you know we saw him he had white gums the man had food out for him but the dog was full of worms just full of worms had not been wormed at all and this is something that we're going to discuss in depth in on the doggy pod but worms are still a problem in our society there are lots of good medications as you know for um, worming dogs yet people just forget to do it or something i don't know it's just crazy we're seeing more and more worms as the temperature goes up a little bit and there's some moisture a lot of the worms come to the surface what people don't realize is that worms can be picked up by just walking along the street 
The dog doesn't even have to sniff anything. It could just walk somewhere where there's worm larvae and the worms can penetrate, the larvae can penetrate in their feet, Steve, and they go into the bloodstream and away they go. So it's so. What what would be symptoms uh, of worms if your dog has them? If your dog becomes lethargic, obviously any gastrointestinal upsets, mainly diarrhea. You get soft motions and then diarrhea, loss of weight, and a real dead-looking coat. The coat goes very dead. Eventually, other symptoms will arise. In fact, your dog can become so anemic that his pink gums can go white. Uh, they can have severe anemia, so much so that there's not enough red blood cells to supply oxygen to all parts of the body and supply glucose to all parts of the body. They get into real strife with supply of nutrients to the body because there's just none in the bloodstream. Uh, so what's the story with, with, with somebody whose um, uh, you know, who's, who's dog's like that in the backyard and somebody else has suggested it gets picked up? Do they have to get the owner's permission, I'm assuming? Um, in this case, the Animal Welfare League uh, looked at it and said, no, this is a real problem with this dog, uh, and they just virtually apprehended the, the dog. You know, they, they took hold of the dog and gave the man a receipt that they've got the dog but and asked him to you know, make himself available for investigation because the question is, you know, why haven't you, you... It's your legal responsibility in most countries to... Uh, even worm your dog. Certainly your legal responsibility to make sure it's well fed. If it needs veterinary attention, to make sure you get veterinary attention for the dog. You know, just basic care. For listeners to this program, they're all thinking, but it's just all basic stuff, surely. You would think it is basic stuff. And yet there well, are... Well, I guess, guess some people, you know, might buy a dog from... Um, you know, a puppy, sh- a dog, a vet, a pet shop, or something like that. You mm-hmm. know, and and not be told the basics. I guess. I mean, yes, it all makes sense to us, doesn't it? But I guess there's yeah. some people that buy a dog and just haven't been told that. I, I I cannot begin to wonder why this dog was so full of of problems like this. Um, but yeah, I guess it, you know, such ignorance not to worm your dog on a regular basis that leads to the animal's demise, total demise. Could not save this dog. His red cells. So, there, so were, there's nothing you could do nutrition-wise, or uh, well, it was t- too late by the time we got to him. Yeah, you know, we were trying transfusions to build up his red cells again. Uh, we were in the process of doing everything, but the dog actually passed away uh, within you know, within 20 minutes of the dog being there. Uh, he just went into respiratory arrest and just died. On this, so so sad. I just can't get down of my mind you know it's the sort of thing that I can never unsee it I can never unfeel it I just felt for that dog so much and uh, I just want to share that with people I guess because you know if you are talking to someone that doesn't know I guess tell them you know, you do need to worm your dog regularly it's an important part of just normal care for your dog just make sure that your so- dog is well wormed got rid of the parasites Sadly, that's, you know, the dog probably, that once beautiful dog had a really horrible last probably year or so of its life. To be honest, yeah, I think that's right. Last few years of that dog's life have been horrendous for it, just slowly getting sick. And that's the thing, it's just slowly suffering until it can take no more. And by the time we got to it, just too late. Very, very, very sad, very sad situation for that dog. And that's, I can't get it out of... Th- that picture of that poor dog suffering in its last 
you know, like I say, for the last year and certainly the last moments would have been horrendous for that poor animal. So, is there such a thing, like with humans, uh, as an IQ for dogs? I mean, some dogs do seem smarter than other dogs, but is there a way of measuring that, or is is there a way of knowing where your dog sits on the uh, smart dog scale? Is that true? Is there such a thing, Rob? I do think that um, some dogs are smarter than others, just like some people are smarter than others. There's no doubt in my mind of that. Well, that, guess, that would be doggy, doggy pod listeners straight away would fall into that category. Well, doggy pod smarter listeners are far smarter than others, far smarter. And the same with some dogs. Um, yeah, some dogs are much quicker and, and smarter. But I find the IQ tests a little bit strange. Now, of course, anybody can go online and uh, look for a doggy IQ test. There seems to be, seem to be a lot of them there. But are they, do they make sense? Do they have any use, Rob? Well, that's the thing. You look at all these IQ tests that people uh, have recorded and written down, and they're in. They all started, I think, from one IQ test that someone designed years ago in a book. Because if you look at the ones online, they're all the same, Stephen. Uh, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, I mean, it, it worries me that they can really believe that those tests actually test the dog's IQ. Yeah, one of them like is like there's that well-known one where you put the towel over the dog. Yeah, and some, some what's, dogs. What's that supposed to do? Some dogs love it. Some dogs think, "Oh, that's great. Just rub it a bit while it's there." Yeah, you know, dogs love having their heads rubbed and with a towel and that sort of thing. So, for me, so what's that test supposed to be? What what was that one? Oh, if if they remove the towel within thirty seconds, they're very smart. I just think they're just waiting for you to pat them. If it's more than thirty seconds, just rub. Give me a rub down with the towel, please, Dad. The other one is. Um, yeah, you put a piece of food under three cups, for example, plastic cups, and your dog's supposed to quickly you know, find out which one has the food. If, you, if he watches you do it, I'm sorry, your dog's nose would tell him where the food is if he wants the food. Not all dogs are food-driven. Now, if the dog has a, a low food drive, he might say, yeah, it's probably there, I don't care, I'm not going for it. So therefore you say, oh, I've got a low IQ. No, not necessarily. You're just not food-driven. And then you have the one of, yeah, a lead. If you pick up the lead, the dog's supposed to get excited, even though it's not his walk time. Again, pick up the lead, the dog's moving it from one area to the other. I don't know what a good test is for an IQ. I remember years ago reading where, oh, your dog's got a high IQ if it uh, walks by a mirror and doesn't get concerned about it. Yeah, and that could be actually correct because if a dog looks at a mirror it doesn't know that it's looking at itself but it certainly knows it's looking at something that doesn't have a smell and therefore shouldn't register as too much and there have been all sorts of tests done like this for a long time one test that's not talked about is watching the dog you know rationalize a situation for example if you've got two entrances to your house uh, and i mean two that the dog can access then putting a barricade up where he normally goes, so I'd say three-quarters of the way up, and the dog you know, comes up, okay, that's, but you know, that barricade is stopping him from uh, getting in, so he races around to the other side. I think if he sits there and waits and waits and waits, 
that to me is maybe a lesser IQ than the average dog. A, a decent dog will just, well, can't go this way, I'll go around the other way, and they quickly work it out. And they'll walk down through there and get into the house that way. They're the sort of tests that I prefer rather than ones that are driven by food or uh, ones where you're just covering a dog's head with a towel because, as I said, a lot of dogs love their heads being covered and being padded uh, all over with a towel. They enjoy it. So, yeah, I, I understand what they're trying to do. I don't know and I can't give you the answers to what is the best test to work out your dog's IQ. Obedience training, how quickly a dog learns is yeah, pretty reasonable way. If, yeah, if your dog picks up things quickly all the time that you're trying to teach it, then it's not an issue. But if your dog takes a long time to learn, I think maybe the IQ is a little bit on the less than average size. Obedience training for me, people say, oh, no, that's just conditioned reflexes. Sure, it is, you know, repeating things all the time. Like, that's what you do with a guide dog, that's what you do with a bomb dog or the police dog. You repeat the exercises. How often you have to repeat them for the dog to learn it does speak volumes to the dog's uh, intelligent quotient. However, it could be that you're not a good trainer as well. You know, training is a matter of persistence, consistency and praise. They're, for me, the very important things of ensuring a dog gets trained properly. And if you do that properly and it takes a long time to train the dog, then maybe you've got to think, OK, this dog's not in the high intelligent bracket. So for me, you've got to access each dog. The way it lives is a big part for me. I, I have dogs that I will tell you now, I don't think are all that bright. <laughs> Some of the dogs that we have in our, in our household. It doesn't mean I love them less. I adore every one of them. I love dogs, full stop. Uh, I don't even necessarily love a particular breed. It's individuals in the breed that I love more than a particular breed. There are breeds that I would prefer, but it doesn't mean I love any other dog less because it's in a different breed, not for me. And I think when you live with a dog, that's when you start learning, yeah, this one's really quite a bright dog. And once, once you've lived with that very special dog, that very bright dog, it really, uh, you can't live without a dog. It's, your life's diminished without them for me. I'm guessing um, also that that maybe tapers off as a dog gets older? Or not really? Uh, no, I, I, I haven't had that. With, with the really bright dogs, the really intelligent dogs, they're just as bright as ever. It, it went, yeah, they don't seem to get, unless they get dementia very, very, very late in life, and dogs can get dementia. We've talked about it a bit on this show. Um, if they get dementia, that's different, but their intelligence stays with them all the time. What tapers off, I guess, if you're not repeating the exercises, they... Think, oh, he doesn't really want me to sit when I'm told and drop when I'm when I've been asked to do so, so they don't get so worried about it. If you repeat the exercises, like I have a uh, a guide dog that is now ten years old. Now, in human equivalent, that Labrador is seventy years old, still doing its work out in the field with with its owner. Yeah, that's a, a, yeah, a yeah. an aged dog has no problem at all. It's fit and healthy. Uh, we check it every three months, no problems at all with this dog, and still doing exceptional work as a guide dog. You know, it's, it's The man's life is at stake with this dog, crossing the streets, etc., catching a train, all those things that he has to do with his dog. 
I think it's fabulous what these dogs do. And this dog, at 10 years of age, is still going strong. So I don't think age does always, it doesn't wane off. Their intelligence doesn't wane off just because of age. Just like people, we tend to think uh, they, they get a bit, um, I don't know what, forgetful. I don't think so. I think they just get... A bit dottery? Yeah, I think they just get a bit fed up. <laughs> I can say that I'm old. Don't, I'm old. <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> so basically the whole IQ thing is uh, you probably shouldn't worry about it too Well, much. no, I wouldn't worry about it at all. As I said, it certainly doesn't uh, detract from the, your dog, whether it's smart or not. Um, if you want to do obedience with a dog, then, yeah, sure, there are certain breeds that you select, both because of their physical characteristics, agility to be able to jump, etc., and also because of their mental acuity. But, it, look, I've seen dogs that you wouldn't believe. You know, people think pugs are not all that intelligent. Well, I've seen pugs doing fantastic work as obedience dogs, cavalier King Charles Spaniels. Just a happy little guy that just you know, gets through life. Again, I've seen them do fantastic work in obedience trials. So it depends on how they're trained and also finding the key, be it food in some cases or praise or a toy, whatever it is that the dog really wants to uh, be given as a reward for doing the right thing. That's really a very important thing. It's up to us as humans to find out what turns your dog on. You've got a gorgeous little pug called Albert. How smart is he? Oh, he's a whip. That guy's a whip, I'm telling you. If I go, <laughs> if I think, oh, I'll go down this way, you know, just try and uh, avoid him for a moment. No, he comes around and says, oh, look, here I am, Dad. Oh, gosh, <laughs> I didn't want you to come out at the moment, but out he comes. He finds ways in and out of everywhere. He's very, very smart. And if I ask him to sit and stay, he does. And, yeah, no, he's a, a really, really smart little guy. Oh, maybe you should um, next uh, th- this week when the show comes out, post a, a photo on our on our Instagram account of you and Albert. I will do. That a- would be lovely. Albert. I think I think regular listeners know what Albert looks like, but yeah. maybe not everybody. Okay, Albert and I done. All righty. Um, Rob, is there such a thing as a breed of dog that you've heard of that no longer exists, that, that uh, has actually become extinct because maybe it's uh, you know, in a country where uh, there's not many of them um, or for some other reason? I, I haven't, but it came up in a conversation the other day with some friends of mine yeah. and I thought, gee... Yeah, is there such a thing as an extinct or extinct breeds of dog? I think, you know, obviously going way back to um, Egyptian times, maybe sure. there might have been, or no, Roman times, but yeah. Even more recent than that, Stephen, uh, in the, a Polynesian dog that was uh, very common in New Zealand and was you know, part of the Maori culture was the Kuri, K-U-R-I, and that breed unfortunately is now extinct. And you might be interested wow. to know that the... Irish wolfhound was extinct in around the 1800s. The numbers were... St- Hang on, how can it be extinct and come ah, back? Very good question, very good question. It was, it was you, really... Uh, the numbers were so low you couldn't find them. See, I, the Irish wolfhound was a dog that hunted wolves and there were lots of wolves in Ireland. Uh, he had to be, of course, fast enough to run down a wolf yet powerful enough and strong enough to kill the wolves. They were so good at their jobs that there are no 
wolves now in Ireland. But what happened was, you know, who's going to feed the dog that in those days that you can't use for anything? So they, their numbers dwindled to probably so negligible levels that they were gone. And uh, in 1863, a rather um, unusual character called Captain George Graham, he was a British Army guy. Now, I don't have to tell you that the British and the Irish don't get on, but he championed the cause to try and bring back the Irish wolfhound because he just thought they were a magnificent breed in the photos or at least the paintings and that that he had seen of these dogs and the stories of them remarkable in saving owners from wolf wolves and hunting down wolves. So he started getting together a whole lot of dogs. The deerhound, the Scottish deerhound, looks a little bit not as heavy, not as strong as the Irish wolfhound, but he got those, he got Great Danes, Mastiffs, and even a, a breed of dog called the Tibetan uh, Kuopso, or Kai Apso, we would call it, K-Y-I-A-P-S-O. Apso means bearded, and some people call it the uh, a, a Tibetan bearded, bearded terrier, but it's a great big working dog of about, oh, in the old scale, two and a half feet, almost like 70 to 75 centimetres high big strong dog and he crossed all these breeds together to get a breed that is an exact replica of the Irish wolfhound and it shows genetically genes in a given population are not lost if you keep crossing to get what you need these genes are not lost very similar thing happened with the Shi Tzu when the communist revolution took over in China they got rid of uh, companion dogs the Shih Tzu, there was, they, they said there was something like maybe 10 or 12 left in the world. Uh, and yet now they're one of the most popular breeds available because they're just such beautiful dogs. You know, lovely uh, companion dogs that, that love people and love being with people, love getting pats, love going on walks. Lots of them now, and yet they, they got down the numbers. But you're not going to believe some of the breeds now, Stephen, that they say are on the endangered uh, breed list. The corgi, really, like like the what? corgi. Seriously, I'm sure the queen, the queen would have something. Well, to say about she, that. well, she's not breeding them anymore. She's probably, you know, she's got to start breeding yeah. them. The cardi- there's your problem. The cardigan corgi, especially, is very low in numbers. Um, yeah, the the old dog that for for us old folks that used to watch the Beverly Hillbillies, the bloodhound. Yeah, the bloodhound. They're, they're down in numbers. Yeah, you don't see bloodhounds. No, exactly. Much. Really? Yep. And, and and the dog that we used to see on cartoons and uh, all sorts of TV programs years ago was the smooth-haired fox terrier, especially with kids. And they're, they're considered almost endangered now. Lots and lots of other breeds, the dandy dimon terrier, even the old English sheepdog, the dulux dogs, they're considered a very a rare breed in England they're in, where they've started, more in, more in uh, America than there are in England. Believe it or not, and then of course, and I think there's probably. What, oh, sorry, no, you go, go, you, you go. I was going to say, of course, you've got the real weird breeds that people have, may not have heard of, the Glenavon Mile Terrier or the Celium or the Dandy Dimmont Terrier. These are all now very rare breeds. So much so, you probably haven't even heard of some of these. Never. So the thing is, if you take on one of these breeds, and I hope you do, I hope people do think, you know what, I'd like to save a breed and take on one and maybe even think about breeding purebred dogs. Uh, of course, people say, oh, but now 
it may be that the day, the day of the purebred dog has not so much vanished, but certainly decreased a lot because uh, what's coming in more into vogue are these crosses like the poodle and uh, cross with just about any breed and you can give it an oogle name. Well, that's what I was about to say. Yeah. I mean, one, one breed that won't be extinct anytime soon is anything with an oodle at the yeah, end. Yeah, but see, they're not a breed as such because they, they're a right. cross and that's the problem. They don't um, breed consistently. So, some breeders are able to do that. Some Some... Oogle breeders have done a good job of consistently breeding a dog that looks like its parents and looks like the grandparents, so they are developing a breed. Uh, but a lot of them come from puppy farms where they'll cross anything with anything and call it an oogle regardless. So it's a bit all higgly-piggly and a bit upsetting as to who's doing what to who with those sort of crosses. Where that will go, I guess we'll just wait and see what the future brings for dogs. The only thing I do know is that uh, in... Dogs will still be with us. They've been with us for a long, long time, and they'll be with us at our side regardless of the breed. Nevertheless, yeah, there are some breeds now that are going to be endangered, if not extinct, in uh, 10 or 20 years' time. Now, if you've got a question for Dr Rob about anything canine-related... Uh, please send your question to thedoggypod at gmail.com, thedoggypod at gmail.com, and we will get around to them because uh, Rob quite likes answering your questions and hearing from our, our listeners. Um, this one is from one of our regular listeners, Pam, who says local communities are again posting that dogs exercising in dog parks are getting gastric picked up in the communal areas. Outbreaks happen and dog parks avoided but what measures can be taken as a routine when exercising and walking our dogs one suggestion is to bring drinking water it's good to socialize but not if gastric and worse are the repercussions uh, and are gastric outbreaks weather related so gastric and taking your dog for a walk in the park rob mm. what's the story oh, well yeah it's a bit like uh, children when they go to preschool uh, some people call them preschools. I call them germ factory. Uh, it builds up the, the kid's immune system eventually. But, yeah, it is bringing a lot of, uh, in, as far as dog parks are concerned, a lot of uh, critters together. Some of them maybe incubating a virus or in, you know, have a disease like Jardia, uh, which is a, 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 a critter that lives inside the gut of an animal and can cause severe diarrhoea. They go to the toilet, the other dog sniffs it, and they get either the virus or the bacteria or the protozoa or whatever it is. So, unfortunately, dog parks can be that way. Weather-related, yes. If there's no rain around at all, uh, then the parks can build up a bit more bugs, I guess, in this, on the grass and that sort of area. Um, so I do see more of them when it's very, very dry for long periods of time. Once you have rain, it washes things away and seems to clean things and we get some uh, settling down of things. So, yeah, what can you do to avoid it? I guess um, talk to your local veterinary nurses. Don't be frightened to ring up and just say, uh, could, would the nurses tell me, are there any bugs around at the moment that would worry my dog? 
And if they say, yes, we've got quite a few dogs with coming in with gastroenteritis, then avoid the dog parks. Avoid those definitely. Absolutely right about the water. You know, if they all drink out of the one bowl, of course, they're going to spread germs from one dog to another. So take your own drinking water. And then finally, just be well aware of you know, where a dog defecates, if, especially if it's not cleaned up. Keep well away from those sort of things. Some of the parks are well cleaned and maintained. Not all of them are that way. That's a lot of owners don't clean up after themselves and maybe avoid those parks totally if that's the habit of your local community. That sadly brings us to the end of another Doggy Pod episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Um, there's always some interesting stuff there and some wacky photos that uh, Dr. Rob some, seems to post from time to time. Um, anyway, we will see you next week for another episode of the Doggy Pod. And as always, Rob has one of his unique farewells. Well, this one comes from an American author called Charles Yu, Y-U. And he said, if I could be half the person my dog is... I'd be twice the human that I am. Pretty neat, eh? I love it. Very nice. Have a great week, folks. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.